You're listening to The Artin's Team, a podcast by FAM designers on how art and design intersect with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Art has been a crucial element in many STEAM fields, from the aesthetics of architecture to the visualization of complex scientific data. This podcast celebrates the artistry in STEAM and highlights the critical role it plays in shaping our world through women's unique voices and journeys and their innovative work. We will also discuss how art and design can be used to communicate scientific concepts, spark creativity and innovation, and encourage young people to pursue careers in STEAM. Each episode features a member of our collective of artists, scientists, technologists, and educators who all share a passion for designing a better tomorrow. This is the Art in STEAM. Hello, humans, thinkers, doers, makers, creators of our futures. Hope you're having a good week so far. You're listening to the Art in STEAM, and I'm your host, Noor. Good to have you with us. Some experiences only exist in the physical world. Underwater, for example, you can find the giant spider crab, the sea pig, the vampire squid, bioluminescent algae, sea stars, and even sharks. Above water, we find the most mesmerizing places, like the glowworm sky of the Waipu Cave in New Zealand, sandstone formations in Arizona, and even the luminescent mushroom forest of Shikoku in Japan. And some experiences only exist in the digital world, with animation, VR, generative art, NFTs, science fiction, video graphics, and more. We get to discover new worlds and imagine new worlds digitally. Our senses are amplified. But what if we could create materials in the real world that only exist in the digital world? Our next guest brings the magical effects of the digital into the physical. We're joined today by designer, HCI researcher, and co-founder of Butler, Gianni Zeng, whose works investigate new material expressions and design methods using emerging technologies such as AIoT, soft robotics, and multi-material 3D printing. She is the inventor of illusory material, the tangible yet ethereal computer-generated material that brings the digital to life for which she was named the next generation designer in 2021 by Wallpaper Magazine. In 2022, Jenny received the Forbes 30 under 30 title alongside her co-founder, computational designer, Hong Hao Deng, for their work on Butler, the world's first and only 100% wireless anonymous people counting and occupancy sensing platform. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for inviting me. Such a nice intro. Like I'm a little overwhelmed, like uh, a lot of great titles. I am a designer, researcher, and founder. I was born and raised in China, and I'm currently based in San Francisco. I've given just a snippet of what you've achieved so far, and there's a lot more behind that. Um, but today we're here to focus on Illusory Material, which is uh, the project that you've developed also with uh, Hong Hao Deng. 
Could you tell me what inspired you both to create this uh, project in the first place and how you got to where it is right now? I guess maybe let me start from our original background. So I was trained as an industrial designer. So I received pretty traditional design education. And my co-founder, Hong Hao, he, he's trained as an architect. So both of us, we spend a lot of time in this uh, physical design world. Like we're designing hardware, designing physical living building environment that everyone can touch and feel. Um, and then we went to MIT and Harvard, uh, studied computational design, um, getting to know more on the digital aspect of technology. But our loves in hardware design, or like physical design remains the same. So we want to use digital technologies to change the way people live physically and the physical objects we use every day. So I think the co-idea of um, illusory material is to use advanced computational design technologies to create tangible materials, uh, experiences, and designs that brings seemingly impossible digital interaction to physical reality. We hope to open up a new era of interactive CMF, color material and finish, without electronics. Uh, creating these new material experiences that respond directly to users and the environment. Wow. So what do you see the vision being for the application of this material in the world? I know you mentioned objects and environments. What would be a, a couple of examples that you would hope or feel would work? <laughs> So I think illusory material, like initially people just see it as a new material. Um, and it can be used in like fashion design, art, and also interior design. So we actually have some um, big brands reached out to us asking if we can, they can use our technology, use this kind of material in luxury packaging design or like designing textiles um, or like like car design. And uh, I think those are great. Like those are the most direct application you can vision like uh, from this illustrative material research. But for me, it was never about um, just the end application. I think mm -hmm. we want to invent a new design methodology or like a workflow that could inspire other designers to do uh, more unique designs or like give them the tools to create something they cannot create before. So for me, this is more impactful because I want my research to be like a start point of a subject. People can continue the research to create things they cannot do before. I think material has been viewed as static or like, um, non-responsive for sanctions. Like if you talk about a material, you always think about the surface of the material, the look and feel of the material, um, whatever you can see, you can touch on the surface. Uh, we mm -hmm. want to add a depth to the material interface 
So instead of viewing it as a 2D thing or like a, just a surface, we introduced this concept of volumetric material and voxel level design. So voxel is like three-dimensional pixel. Um, and in our research, we use voxel printing or like uh, multi-material voxel printing. We were able to manipulate or like change the material property in the voxel level. So imagine you have a piece of material and we can assign different properties to each voxel inside that, that material. And the voxel is a, is a pixel, essentially. Yeah, voxel is like a three-dimensional pixel. Okay. So pixel is like normally in 2D screen, right? But in 3D printing, um, I think this idea was introduced before voxel, which is a 3D pixel. Mm-hmm. But in 3D printing or like in the physical design, you could assign different material property to each voxel. For example, the color, transparency, uh, even stiffness to each individual voxel in this material mm-hmm. and have this material review a different property, um, you know, either it's like a dynamic visual appearance or like it's a touch sensitive uh, material, like responsive material. So for us, we want to introduce this concept of, you know, designers, you can manipulate um, this volumetric material. This material has a volume and you can manipulate the individual pixels inside the material so it reflects a different property. So I think this thinking is, is the essential, I would say, fundamental um, innovation uh, in illusory material. Because it looks, uh, you know, it's it looks gorgeous. And so you could imagine a lot of perfume bottles and cars and <laughs> um, objects that you know usually look really good. There is no 3D printer that does that. Not that I know uh, of. And it sounds like there are uh, endless combinations of materials and, and you know, coding of the voxel. So you see that being integrated in like, team design team workflows. Usually we use, as designers, uh, or we use 3D printing for prototyping right, before actually making a product in another material with other properties. Um, do you see this material being a f- like the finished material? A multi-material printer, which has the uh, capability of voxel printing, uh, was invented by Stratasys, um, which is a big 3D printing company, and we work closely with them. Um, I... So we invented the workflow, the methodology of how to do it. And we want to like introduce more like a software thing. So designer can use the interface to create something like uh, we did uh, in Illustrium material. And in terms of the final application, um, currently, because, because this material, um, the raw material is from resin, um, and you know it's a mix of transparent transparent resin in different colors, so we can create this uh, special material. So one, the top layer is made from a transparent resin material. The bottom layer is from is made from like a colored resin um, material. So in different angle, the light will be refracted because of the 
curvature of the lens. And in different angle, you can see like a dynamic uh, appearance of the object. We do have some, you know, project ongoing, which is more like uh, textile design. So you can pretty much customize a textile as an end product and um, use it, wear it every day. Um, and also, um, let me think, some car designs with some advanced customization there, we can use this material and print, 3D print this structure um, to cover a special component. Um, but for me, a lot of the application is really to prototype and to test um, this structure, like with the transparent layer and the color layer and light reflection, so that you could use a different manufacturing method to create the mm. same thing in a bigger volume or like in a more robust material. Like resin is great, but it's not like as strong as glass or stiff as glass. Mm. Um, there are different properties. We still need to, you know, different weakness of this material. We still need to look at if you're, you want to use this material in day-to-day -day object. So for me, it's really more like from the workflow, the inventions on the workflow and methodology and the possibility of what it can create. And then it becomes an application, direct applications and applications as prototyping tools or et cetera. What would it take for a company to use illusory material? Yeah, like so, in terms of software and hardware and everything. <laughs> yeah, so um, we actually patented the workflow and we are still working on the software. Uh, it's not released yet. Um, and we also published some paper around the illusory material. So I would say the core methodology, the general workflow, I believe, you know, if you understand the basics of light refraction and how to create um, surfaces and map um, individual structure onto a surface, a complex surface, you could create such material using 3D printing. And the 3D printer needs to be very specific because I think currently there's only one company uh, who produce this type of printer who can do transparent multi-material printing, which is Stratasys. So eventually, I would say creating this model, this digital model, uh, I think there are different ways. If we launch this software in the end, eventually, I think designers could use it to create this object. But in order to produce it, um, currently, you will have to use Stratasys like 3D printer, multi-material 3D printer. Yeah. Okay. So there's some uh, some work to do on the accessibility. I saw that word uh, in most of the articles that I read about uh, illusory material, lenticular effects, and I thought maybe you could describe what that is for uh, listeners. Yeah, so lenticular effects is like those lenticular cards, like 2D cards, um, um, the same structure. So the top layer would be like transparent lenticulars, um, and it's like a dome shape, like a curvature shape with a lot of units. And underneath is like a 2D card with different patterns. 
you can see those card in maybe in business card in those gift uh, shops. So when you tilt the card, you will see different pattern. It will review uh, like a continuous, like something like an animation or like it will review the 3D depth. Is it like a hologram? Not exactly. So lenticular is really using curved lens to refract light in different angles. So your eyes will have this illusion of the pattern underneath the lens is like either 3D, although it's on 2D surface, or like in different angles, you will see partial of the underlying pattern. For example, in this angle A, you will see the pattern only on the left side of each, under each lens. In the angle B, you will see the right um, pattern under each lens. So you can embed like two image two images under this lenticular layer and then see an entirely different image in each angle. So lenticular, I think it's really, it's not a new concept, right? Mm -hmm. But there was no research and any project doing lenticular design in a complex 3D geometry. Um, this would require a lot of computational design and understanding of the surface mapping of those lenses and the refraction angles of um, you know each lens. So I think without the advancement of technology, like this multi-material 3D printing technology that can print transparent material, mm -hmm. we can never produce something uh, like illusory material today. You can create something in the digital software, like you can create a structure, um, those transparent layered and color layered in a 3D software, but you can never produce it without this uh, multi-material printing technology. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's really a beautiful marriage between um, something exists like a existing idea, but if you wanna do some advanced creation, we are relying on this new um, technology in 3D printing. Yeah. What does the world of tomorrow look like under the lens of illusory material? Yep. So I guess I'm, I'm going to go back to the vision of this project or like generally my vision um, on designing in the physical world. I always think about another alternative on how technology should evolve over time. You see a lot of designs around AR, VR, metaverse. And it sounds like that's the future, right? That's the way to go. I think digitalization uh, is not about taking everything to screens or to the virtual world. Uh, I want to use technology to create immersive experiences in the world surrounding us. So like a tangible, authentic world, we can touch, smell, and feel. Um, and the future of experience design too, like it should be energy, energy saving, playful, dynamic, and highly customizable. So I think there are a lot of things we can do around us uh, using the concept of digital technology or like computational design and create something um, tangible around us. So a lot of projects I've done before, like in the final presentation, you might see a physical object or like a physical, build environment. 
but we did a lot of computational design behind the scene. That's how we lead to the end product or end goal. Um, and we are using digital thinking to change the way people live physically in, in this tangible world. I think illusory material eventually is really just part of this vision. More than an object, it's like a workflow, but it's also more than a workflow. It's a vision of how you modify your physical surrounding next to you using computational design or like um, digital thinking. Thank you. And that's a good segue to the importance of uh, design thinking and creativity within education. Computer science is, has started to get into educational systems uh, like high schools, primary schools. Uh, not only started, started, let's say, 10 years ago. There is STEAM, which is where we want to integrate more uh, creative, uh, the ability to do that creative leap so the arts within steam is not only fine arts it's uh, music and anything that's um, art related performance um, which helps uh, students with innovating in a in a more tangible way um, and i wonder uh, you and your background um, having gotten to where you are what would be your advice for girls and and young women who are trying to get into the STEAM fields? I have an engineering degree in product design in undergrad. So my program that time, it was like a mix of engineering and product design. And that time, I remember there's an interesting story. I I think there was one one lecture uh, given by a uh, professor from Royal College of Art. It was a remote lecture and I was in China at school. And she asked us, like the whole class, she said, are you guys designers or engineers? Hmm. Um, and that was a difficult question that time because um, being in a, like a product design program, Everyone wants to be a designer. We want to be called as a designer. And we think that's, okay, that's the best thing. That's mm -hmm. the, the way I'm, I'm going to go. Like, that's how I define myself. But the, the way she put that question really makes me think, do I want to be a designer or an engineer? Because my education is like split in half. And I thought I'm going to be a designer. And... But this whole concept changed after I went to MIT because it was like the opposite. All the designers I know at MIT, they're taking classes in engineering school or like in architecture school. And it really broadened my view on design or like art, um, mostly design. Because everything can be designed. It, it does not have to be the traditional industrial design or architecture design. It could be a material design. It could be a reinventing a design methodology, or it can be, um, you know, like a experience design that is not does not have a final appearance or like final um, end product. So. When I think back, I think my design education, um, you know, 
really makes me a good designer. Like I can create a project, I can show my project in a very good presentation. But my engineering knowledge or like my knowledge in technology uh, makes me different, like in this design world. A lot of things I've been doing, like the research I've been doing, my startup, I don't think any of those would exist if I don't have my knowledge in like those STEM program in technology, science, engineering. Um, and I think going back to your question, computer science, um, I think it's a little different because computer science is almost like it's going to be a norm in the future. Like those young kids are learning computer science in very early curriculum. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's it's the hope that they continue to yeah. to include that in curriculums because uh, yeah, um, it, it, they're easily deprioritized over you know other subjects in school and and it seems you know this is the these are 21st century skills and they're essential yeah and you know in china i think they've i think computer science has been added already in even if you don't take it in at school Mm -hmm. you will take it in outside of the school and it's gonna be a norm and I feel it's the base of almost everything in the future. Um, like I mentioned before, if you have the knowledge, you don't have to be like super good at it, but if you have the knowledge of computational design, computer science, you can create um, tools you can use for creation. Like you're, you're not only creating the end project and product, but you can create more tools for you to create um on top of it right you're innovating something new that everyone yeah. can use yeah you're innovating in a like a fundamental level I, I think that's my understanding in my education when i look back it's design or like innovation or like invention it's like cooking a dish you're <laughs> like that yeah it's like a cooking a good dish right your knowledge and your creativity is like your raw material. A creativity is something I would say you're born with creativity. It's it's hard to train when you grow older. Like it can be trained when you're younger. For me, I don't think it's something, I, I really think it's like someone born with a lot of creativity and someone just more in that um, different path. So your raw material is knowledge and creativity and the skill sets um, or like the tools you're using for designs, like your cooking gears, your tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and design thinking, the mindset, and also the know-how of how to create uh, using different mediums and resources is like your recipe. So STEM programs or like technology, engineering, or other skills that apart from design really enable you to create more cooking gears or like create more recipes yourself. There are some great designers, they have great raw material. Some of them are legend of, you know, this design world. They have a lot of creativity. They're just, they're just good at it. But if you have more cooking tools or recipes, the chance of creating something unique is much bigger, larger than 
just relying on the raw material. So for me, if you want to cook a really good dish, I want myself to be exposed to a lot of cooking tools and recipes, which means I need to um, keep learning on new stuff, new technology, um, the fundamental technology and engineering uh, mindset. So for people who are going to enter school, I think I'm a little biased. Like many people, <laughs> many younger kids, they ask me, um, what should they choose in like uh, at college, right? Like when they enter college, I would put it this way. If I'm like 10 years younger, I'm like maybe 18 years old, I would have chosen computer science plus product design or architecture design or some kind of design. So I want to keep my creativity part uh, as my, you know, side or main subject and also keep training on um, technology and the foundation of technology, which mm -hmm. I believe is really computer science. Um, mm -hmm. And you can do computational design as one subject or like do it differently. But that's just my view. Like as a designer, if I look back 10 years ago, that would be my, my choice. Right. In retrospect, <laughs> we always make small changes. Uh, but you wouldn't be who you are today <laughs> without yeah. your experiences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's like, and, you know, people get old. Like, this world is timeless. Like, the, the world will move forward without you and you will get old. Sure. Everything you learned in college or previously, it will, in one day, it will be replaced. Or like those things, you will, people will have a different tool and make something looks very nice, uh, much nicer than what you did 10 years ago and spend less time. Um, so what keep me going, like this is also a little shifted, like my, I think my goal in my career or like my path in design and entrepreneurship is also was also shifted a little bit. I started with like after I graduated from my undergrad, I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna be a designer, like a top designer, a design legend. Everyone mm -hmm. knows me, uh, which is very unlikely, which I know now. Um, and then it becomes uh, how much value or like impact you can bring to the society or the world around you. So I became a startup founder. Um, like we talked about illusory material. It's like my research and my vision in design. Mm -hmm. But my startup, like my uh, Butler Technologies, um, it's like I want to see how much impact I want I can make with my design thinking and my uh, mindset in you know uh, solving problems. So uh, it's like yeah, it's a totally different topic, but you know. But to say that it, it's not about fame, it's about. Uh, the impact that you have in this world. And it's true that initially when you think about studying design, you think, oh, I'm going to be a superstar and, um, you know, just like an artist. And yeah. and actually, uh, deep down, it's it's not about that. It's about yeah. the impact. Yeah. I think as a designer or artist, it's good that you want to be a famous designer. Because that drives you. Design is to have a personality behind. I don't think it can be just, 
if you're only looking at functional design, I think it's a different topic. But for me, mm -hmm. I always want to create something new. Like I want to, you know, put my personality and my thinking to the design so people knows, okay, this is designed by Johnny. Um, and then it becomes really, it becomes really different. Like my startup now, we have close to like 80 people, like 70, 80 people uh, around the world. Amazing. And it's big responsibility because I know I'm not creating a conceptual design. I know I'm creating something that could change people's life or like save people's life. Um, if I do anything, like if I don't pay attention to those details or like um, in the product development, design development process, it, it could cost us a lot. And it's like, I'm also shouldering the responsibility of those 70s, 80 people uh, work for Butler and who wants to bring our vision to reality one day. So, um, and again, back to the um, first question on like design my journey, like um, design entrepreneurship. It's really, I think the education in design teach me a lot of things like pretty much carry out a project by yourself from mm -hmm. user research, concepting, design, manufacturing, marketing, like presenting your concept, like the whole process. I learned it uh, in my design education. I can present, I can create something from the beginning and package it to mm -hmm. present to an investor. But I think those are just the starting point. And then I need to carry on those um project and concept and uh execute like um make them into a real product and a product has an impact and that's another long journey and i think my stem education problem solving engineering mindset helps a lot in that later part so if you i guess you want to start your you're choosing your subject i would highly recommend both like stem and creativity in the same time, um, then just focusing on one one of them. I think. For sure, like all of these, and that's the whole point, right? That all of these disciplines are are you know merged with each other. They're codependent. Like you can, you don't just do engineering and and then you do design on the side. And that's why a lot of companies now are collaborative teams they're multidisciplinary yeah. and that and that's you know and if you have that uh, luxury of knowing a little bit of both or a lot of both um then you're really well built for the future of work yeah it's a little tricky i would say because you know i was saying in a lot of companies they're although they're having different designers engineers in one team but their function and responsibility is like kind of uh, very separated or like it's more well-defined. So mm -hmm. it's very rare to see like an industrial designer doing both industrial design, mechanical design, electrical engineering. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible, especially in bigger companies. But I would say if you have the view of everything, you would have more freedom to choose, especially if you want to start your own business or like your startup. Um, you need that view of everything. Um, 
and it's also pushing you to innovate, because I don't think just generating a concept is not innovation. You have to make it to something useful, like functional. That's an innovation, and if you have the whole picture,、uh, it's easier for you to know what resources you need to get you there.、Uh, you don't have to do everything, but you need to know what you need. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your、uh, wisdom and for your unique voice, and for inspiring、uh, our audience to、uh, push the boundaries of creativity. Thank you so much. That was really interesting. Thank you so much for inviting me, and it's like a great podcast and <laughs> nice, really great questions you asked. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Do spread the love by sharing this link with your friends and colleagues. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be inspired, learn something new, and imagine a better future. If you would like to get involved with the Fam Designers community by hosting exhibitions, joining our podcast, moderating panel discussions, partnering with us, or sharing your work for review. Get in touch at contact at famdesigners.com, or visit our website at www.famdesigners.com. Let's design a better tomorrow for everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the art in steam.